0: That's right. Get 55% off at babble.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber. To improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin. All these ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift-off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. Hello, I am Vanessa Ragland. I'm the co-host of the Pop My Culture podcast, and I'm a fan of the Smart People Podcast and I'm running for California Leukemia Lymphoma Society Woman of the Year, which I'm so excited about. It's a 10-week fundraising contest, at the end of which I might get a tiara, I don't know, Uh, but really it's not about me, it's about cancer and it's about this great organization that's so selfless. It's helped friends I have that are living with cancer and also friends that have been pronounced cancer-free. I can't think of a more worthy cause to be involved with, and I'm really having a blast planning this campaign. And the Smart People podcast has amazingly stepped up and said, for the month of February, every donation they get will go to LLS. So I'm just here to encourage you to donate this month. February is all about love. Uh, So love the whole world and hate on cancer. Now on to what you're really here for.
2: Hello. Baby, welcome to the Smart People Podcast. Sit back, grab a drink, tune in your brain.
1: Ask not what your country can do for you. This nation will rise up. Sorry, please command.
0: Welcome to Smart People Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John Rojas. And I'm the other host, Chris Stemp. Thanks for
2: tuning in this evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you might be listening. We got an awesome subject on the ballot today, if you will. We're going to talk about nutrition, eating, healthy living, kind of all wrapped in one. That is awesome. I swear you're never as excited as I am about these things.
0: I was actually excited to see her on our Twitter feed, reached out to Deborah and said, hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food, evidently Chinese food. No, that's true that she listened to it and, you know, enjoyed the podcast. And
2: And it turns out Deborah is a, she's a pretty smart person. She's a master's level nutritionist, as well as a registered dietitian and licensed dietitian nutritionist with over 25 years of experience in the field. She has worked at Wake Forest and North Carolina School of Arts. She's a nutritionist in their addiction treatment center. One of the things that I found personally interesting about talking with Deborah is she kind of encapsulates a lot of the things we've talked about in terms of health and nutrition into one conversation, one topic,
0: one delivery. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was cool to listen to what she had to say. You know, it really made both of us think about why we eat, what we eat, when we eat it, all that kind of stuff. And you It was just a very interesting conversation. It was funny because I
2: remember, you know, when we were kind of doing our pre-show routine and everything, I'm thinking, why we eat? Like, why we eat's a pretty, I don't know, that should be an easy question. But the things she made me think about, just in the interview alone, go back through, you know, why do I crave sugar? Why do you crave Chinese food, as you talk about? I've never had anybody make the connection between the food you eat and your current state of being.
0: You know what I'm saying? I completely agree. And you know, we won't tease the audience with this any longer. Good point. We'll send it over to Deborah here in a second. But before we do that, you guys know the drill. Head over to the website, smartpeoplepodcast.com, click on the Amazon banner, help us out, keep us going. Yeah, we can always use a little uh little extra cash
2: flow our way. So we get a little kickback from anything you order off that link. No cost to you, so we're going to bring you Deborah now. Tune in and hope you learn a little something about nutrition and eating habits, living a healthier lifestyle. So first, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it's it's really awesome how we kind of found you through Brene's thing and nutrition, health, all the things that we're going to talk about is something that we've focused a lot of our our podcast around, actually. We're pretty excited to talk to you about this topic.
3: Well, I have been kind of trained in Western medicine when it comes to how you treat diseases with diet. However, I very quickly was frustrated with that kind of orientation and focused much more on preventing disease and creating a sense of wellness And also found pretty quickly that telling people what to eat really doesn't help. You really need to help people understand what's going on with their eating behavior. And along with it, their bodies and their emotions and their thought process around why they're choosing to eat. So for me, it's not just the what to eat. It's also the how you're eating and why you're eating that I spend a lot of time on. And you probably already know that I include yoga in the workshops and my classes because I think it's a really nice shortcut to trying to interpret what your body's trying to tell you.
2: Right. And it's funny when you say why we eat, I'm like, I eat because I'm hungry. So I'm, I'm interested, what, uh, what reasons do you, what, what kind of topics do you dive into when you say why
0: we eat?
3: You know, I really wish that everybody could say that, (laughs) but I think most people would say, I hardly ever eat because I'm hungry. Actually, I don't know when I'm hungry. I think a lot of people, at least the people that I end up talking to, really are pretty disconnected with their bodies, and they rarely eat from a physiological kind of responding to our body sensation. It's much more about, I just want something, or i want i'm just on automatic pilot i mean most folks are pretty programmed or mindless in the way that they feed themselves and it's i try to encourage at least initially development of awareness around are you eating because you're hungry from your stomach versus are you eating because you're hungry in another place in your body like just we call it mouth hunger, when you just want something in your mouth. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's actually funny that you, you bring that up because there's a lot of times I live by myself, and I'll eat when I'm bored.
3: Yes. So that's a really good example. Boredom is one of the top reasons. But really? stress, you know, kind of easing into the evening, that transition period after work for a lot of people— Means, you know, the first thing you do is open the fridge or go into the pantry or go to the drive-thru on the way home.
2: One thing, and I guess you're answering the question I was going to ask, is I saw on your website you talk about how you're able to identify common behaviors that create kind of nutritional issues and then you work through those as part of your practice. And I thought that was interesting because I don't really personally look at eating behaviors, right? It's been ingrained in our society to look at what you eat. So if you're eating potato chips or if you're eating an apple, that's clear cut. But really what you're saying is a lot of it is the behaviors that lead to the problems.
3: In my opinion, eating is a very complicated behavior. If you look at how very basic it is when it comes to needing to nourish ourselves to survive, that's that's one way of looking at it. But it's how we connect with other people. It's how we show that we love somebody. It's where we go when we're lonely or bored or stressed. It's something that we avoid when we're trying to control our bodies.
0: There's so much stuff around the workplace that's focused around food, drinking, and all that stuff. And, and you mentioned that society is, is based around... Focusing around food. How can somebody control themselves in those situations? Or what do you teach them? What do you tell them so that they know, okay, I'm going to have to go to this social event? I'm going to be around food and alcohol, food and other drinks. What do you do in those situations?
3: Well, let me just give you a little background as to just my general approach. And that is to help people become more mindful and more intuitive in their eating process, so they have to get out of their heads and listen to their bodies and, and to kind of tune in to your appetite regulation system because you're born into the world with an appetite regulation system that's beautiful. It's, it's fine-tuned and it works perfectly, but then we get very, kind of we kind of intrude into that naturally occurring system. By setting up, like when you have a baby, somebody might tell you to feed them so many ounces every so many hours. Instead of just letting your baby tell you when they're hungry and they pull away from the nipple when they've had enough. And we send them off to preschool and they get a smiley face plate and get a cookie, you know, if they eat it all, regardless of how their body felt. And then, of course, as parents, we get all hypervigilant about making sure your kid eats a certain thing, get make sh- sure they eat enough. We kind of interrupt a naturally occurring, very well-developed, pristine system. So when you do that, all sorts of things kind of become problematic. And when you get kind of out of tune, you either over or under eat, usually. And, you know, it doesn't have to get pathological, but it gets out of sync. And most people obviously are overeating. So when you're going to a social event, as you just said, I encourage people to not go too hungry. It's a really good strategy to try to make sure that you have had, say, a good high-protein snack going into something like that, so you feel relatively satisfied, because if you kind of anticipate this social event, by under eating and kind of saving up, then you're going to be a little too hungry. And that puts you at risk of kind of going for it. And not to mention if there's alcohol on board, then you're probably definitely going to, you're disinhibited by the alcohol and you kind of everything gets cast to the wind, so yeah, you're much I, more likely, you're more at risk of overeating then. So I think I have an
2: idea of what you're saying with that. Just an idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear. Ordering the wings at
0: a bar <laughs> and nachos and that kind of stuff. Yeah,
3: yeah not stepping on any toes. <laughs> yep. It's okay to do that. I'm not saying that the food choice is the problem. It's how much. Like if you're hungry to start with and you go to a bar and do all of that, then your body is going to enjoy the nourishment. But it's really much more about stopping when you've had enough. And I don't know, but I find beer and wings to be very, very, very filling. But you'll notice that a lot of people tend to be distracted and they're watching the game or, you know, they're just not paying attention. And The next thing they know, the the food is gone. They've eaten it all and they realize they were mindless. So it's much more about trying to become more mindful in the moment.
2: No, I like that. I like the way you kind of discuss that because even it can be the food or you realize the beer is gone and then you got to think about all the calories you just drank. So I could see how you could forget about that sometimes. I actually wanted to ask you about, I've, I saw mood stability on uh, on your website and I wanted to see through your research, I mean, You've been doing this for a long time. I know you have a lot of designations. You've know you done your homework. When it comes to mood stability, do you think that society is kind of all this hyperactive disorder stuff? Do you think that's due to overconsumption of sugar and processed foods and simple carbohydrates, things like that?
3: Wow. We need a weekend. I think that it's very... There are many different ways to look at mood stability. And one thing is we have kind of connected our judgment, our we've kind of attributed moral character to food choice so that there is a good and a bad. And then we feel good or bad when we've done a certain thing, eaten a certain food, behaved a certain way with our eating, I think we kind of it does change our mood. And certainly what we see on the scales changes our mood. So You could look at it that way. But what I meant when I was creating my website was a couple of other things. And that was that there are foods that do kind of lend themselves to more mood stability. And that is we know that foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids, for example, are really nice when it comes to stabilizing mood. But also if you get too hungry or if you eat mostly carbs, and you don't get enough protein and heart healthy fat that you'll end up with more mood swings because your blood sugar's dropping and you get irritable and you know lethargic or you could overeat carbs and also get lethargic so finding a way to feed yourself with that nice even like every 4 hours or so nice high protein Heart healthy fat with some carbs that are primarily from plant sources and not as processed, you'll find yourself feeling much more leveled out and less labile, less, you know, up and down with your mood.
0: Yeah. I've yeah. got a couple of friends that are doing low carb or no carb diets right now. And yeah. Chris and I both did that when we were out in Arizona. We just wanted to go a month to see what would happen if we cut carbs because. You do lose a lot of weight, but you know you lose water weight and you lose whatever else. Uh, I guess muscle mass and that kind of stuff. Because you your lose, body,
2: you lose your mind. Yeah,
0: you absolutely <laughs> lose your mind. I mean, you go, you go crazy. You get headaches, and you just yes. like you said, have terrible mood swings.
3: Yes, and you don't have any energy. You feel like going to bed. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was a thing. We tried still going to the gym on a low carb diet, and it's like I think almost know. passed out. Yeah. Uh-
3: Well, you have to remember the job that carbs have. I mean, carbs have gotten a very bad rap. Carbs have a job to do, and that is to give you energy. So you have to have them. You just need to, in my opinion, look at like if you're hungry in the first place and if you're mixing it up with some protein and fat that's heart-healthy fat and to try to make sure you're in sync with your body. I mean, you will have cravings for very specific food sometimes, and it's because you have a very specific need that you actually do need energy. So you might crave a peanut butter sandwich. I don't know. Do you guys have cravings?
0: Oh, all the time. And and like you said, you know where carbs have gotten a bad rap. When you think about fat, fat got one just as much because, you know, right. the name is fat, so people are like, "Oh, I'm going to cut fat right. out of my diet." Right. And they try to do this low fat, no fat stuff, and the foods right. are processed and terrible for you. And again, you go into right. those bad moods once again. But yes, Chris has sweet tooth cravings, and I also have cra- like, I love Chinese food for some reason.
3: Well, maybe you want the spicy. Do you want the spicy that it offers?
0: Yes. Or the salt? Yeah. All the salt and the spice, I guess.
3: Well there is a therapist that I know. Her name is Anita Johnston and she would say, "Well that means you're trying to spice up your life." I love it. <laughs>
0: hey, he be. is. He yeah, is. Absolutely.
3: So food can be an interesting doorway into understanding yourself.
0: You
2: know, I've never looked at it like that, but cuz I did want to ask you when you were talking about cravings and things, like like John said, "I've I'm the kind of person that if somebody said we're eating s'mores for dinner and they're not bad for you, I literally could eat an entire bag of marshmallows, like hands down. And so sometimes I wonder, like, that's my body craving it, but I think it would be very short-sighted to be like, oh, if my body tells me I want this, I should eat it, you know? So don't you think there is a level of discipline or something? I think a lot of it comes to, like you said, being healthy and well-rounded. Some type of middle ground. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, the middle ground is exactly what I'm all about, to try to get away from these extreme approaches and the swings. Dieting creates so much of a swing. and I was wondering when you were talking about the marshmallows, I mean, a lot of people would have maybe a diet or a restrictive kind of background where they were chronically avoiding something like marshmallows. Therefore, there was a sense of deprivation, so they, were, they would crave what they had felt that they could not have, that they had been deprived of. The other thing is, my hunch is that if you did go for the marshmallows for a while, you would totally not want them anymore and they would lose all of the emotional charge that they have. So there's lots of research on this and... Like if you just go for M&Ms, after a while you are sick of them, and they're just a food. I want to create a t-shirt line that says "It's just food."
2: I, I see where you are coming from. I just i I've never hit that wall. I've had to maintain some some type of um like composure. Discipline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll like I'll literally eat a, a box of Tic Tacs, two things of Mentos, and like a thing of hot tamales, and be like, hmm. I was tasty. I, I don't do that anymore because I'm, you know, I'm a grown man. Like this is not what dinner should consist of. But
3: So the craving won't go away. It, it doesn't
2: oftentimes. But what I, what I do, honestly, I've never thought of this until this conversation. The sugar craving thing oftentimes comes into play when I feel like I don't have excitement in the immediate future.
3: Well, so then it becomes like you're using. I mean, really, what I encourage folks to do is to have a conversation with yourself about what it is that you're wanting. If you're not wanting food because you are physiologically hungry, then you probably want it for another reason. And to really become a student of yourself and do some, you know, looking into that. So what's going on? What's up?
2: Yeah, no, I really do like that. I've never really thought of it like that for all the thought I've given to to those types of things. And while we're talking about cravings and nutrition and all that, I wanted to ask about your diet, what yeah. changes you've made, and if you've always been conscious of the things you eat or if you had this kind of revelation.
3: Well, it's been a long time. You know, I... I would say that I started changing my food choices when I was in grad school studying nutrition. I mean, it's pretty hard to study nutrition and not start to listen to what you're learning because it. I think it, for me, it actually changes my preferences because I understand more about what the food is offering, what it supports in me. But I also truly 100% live by the way that I'm teaching my clients to eat And that is to listen to your body and trust your body, which is so very hard to do for a lot of us. Because I think, bottom line, we just don't trust ourselves. But when you start to eat in line with your body, it's really not so much about food being good or bad. It's you have a little something of delicious food. I think I'm more snobby. I tend to really want high-quality food. I don't like things that are highly processed, that's for sure.
0: So, what was your dinner today? If we looked into your snapshot of what your diet consists of, what did you eat today?
3: I am a vegetarian. So, it was, it's going to sound really boring and classically like a nutritionist now that you're asking me, but <laughs> it was tofu and quinoa with vegetables and red wine.
2: Oh, come on. Come on. That's too scripted. Come on. (laughs) You had a Snickers bar. Like, come on.
3: (laughs) I told you. I told you. Unfortunately, you hit me at just the time that I've been. That's that's what I want. And I love it. I love that dinner.
2: You know, and people who say that, I commend you. But I think I would be really angry after that. (laughs) Do Do you feel like well, just because I would feel maybe unsatisfied. But do you feel like that's something you have to. Go against your intuition and eventually your body realizes like, wait, I'm on the right path. And then all of a sudden you feel much better.
3: I, you know, I really do follow where my body goes. I mean, if I have a craving for something like Chinese or sushi or Italian, I would definitely go have it. But I would probably only eat part of what they served me because I would notice when I was satisfied I I tend to eat every four hours or so, and eat very high protein. I love nuts. I love cheeses. For
0: very high protein for vegetarian, what are I mean? What are good things to eat? Is it just a lot of beans? Probably and, nuts and cheeses. Nuts
3: well, and you, cheeses. Yeah.
0: Just all nuts and cheeses.
3: <laughs> and Greek yogurt. But I also eat fish, so I'm a pescatarian. Oh, yeah. Okay. And okay. somewhat flexible.
2: The other thing is you talk about you want a world free of dieting. And yes, I, really do. I think that's, it's not just a noble goal. I think it's a really good concept because the diet, in my opinion, is something that was invented due to our ability to overconsume mass-produced, awful food. A- until recently, the industrial revolution, perhaps, dieting was unnecessary. It was really, what can I eat? So we've gotten into this culture of just so much dieting so many different fads to be yep. free of it could you talk about where that came from and and how you think we might get there
3: well, I really wish we would started with that question because I could talk about that a long time yeah, go ahead
2: Have <laughs> <at it. laughs>
3: I really feel like dieting is very harmful and it creates so many kind of reactions I, I think what we do is we do these extreme kind of highly restrictive approaches, and then we react to those and back and forth and back and forth. That's what I think we have lost our minds in this country. I think we actually have a national eating disorder because people are so not normal. Normalized eating is when you eat when you're hungry, stop when you're satisfied, a variety of foods, And the food itself is neutral. There is no moral character to a food choice. There is no good or bad. You just eat when you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. But we have gotten all out of whack in our heads so much with rules and points and shoulds and shouldn'ts and boxes to check off. And through that, I think we have become very disconnected from our bodies so my work is about trying to become more mindful and it's to me it's just such a smart idea because you get to get to know yourself you get to figure things out that for good you don't have to sign up for any more classes or programs this is it it's the last stop on the diet train and it's very sustainable you can figure this one out And continue to do it and continue to learn yourself all along the way. It's full of self-acceptance work. You become more comfortable in your own skin. You become more powerful in your own life. You don't abdicate power to some other person who's telling you what to eat. The only rules to follow are listening to your body. Now, that sounds very simple, but it is not easy at all because we are mindless in our day. You know, we don't even take lunch. We yeah. go through the drive-thru while we're doing errands yep. or sit at our desk and continue to work in front of the computer. We don't even taste our food.
2: I so. actually read, uh, and I'm sure you've you've read it as well, but Michael Pollan wrote a book, the, the Omnivore's Dilemma, and he talks about the, yes. the time spent in a day for preparing meals has gone from, I believe it was six hours to 20 minutes in, I'm probably misquoting, so I won't finish that, but th- <laughs> it was like this... Infinite decrease, you know, and it's astounding. And he, he talks about the exact same thing you're saying getting back to food is the connection to life and all living things. So,
3: I mean, basically, the hallmarks of becoming a mindful eater are developing awareness of what you're doing because I think we don't even notice this. You know, we're just kind of on such a basic autopilot that we aren't even aware of how we eat every day. And we need to kind of savor our food, be present so that we can taste it, which means decrease the distraction, turn off the television, move away from the computer screen, and try to do it all with as much gentle, non-judgment kind of self-talk as possible.
0: Now, I'm going to quickly change the subject because this was on the forefront of the news recently, but what is your opinion on the whole Paula Dean, um news that just came out where she had what I guess adult onset diabetes. Did you hear about that?
3: Yes, I did. Yes,
0: because I mean this is I don't I don't necessarily want to call it a, an epidemic. Maybe it is, but within the United States, it just it seems like everybody is being diagnosed with diabetes. And for her, I guess she sat on this news for a little while because she's right. known for a few years, right. but you look at what she cooks on a daily basis on TV and it's like, well, just sticks and sticks of butter and all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to see what your opinion was on the whole situation and what you thought about the, I guess the timing of the release with now she's got an organization that she's working with and all that kind of stuff.
3: And pharmaceuticals. Yeah.
0: And the pharmaceutical company that she's, yeah. that she's partnering with. Yeah.
3: Well, I think she is a case in point in that if you are doing the opposite of Michael Pollan's work, (laughs) you're going to end up with being high risk for some of these diseases. I mean, diabetes is a disease that comes from overly consuming. I mean, if you are following your body's satisfaction system. It will tell you to stop. If you eat something that has a lot of fat in it, it's very satisfying. So you eat part of it. If I have lunch and I get a veggie wrap and a piece of fruit and some yogurt versus having a lunch where I go out to lunch and I have a pasta with a cream sauce... I am not going to be able to finish that pasta. I'm going to get full very quickly versus the veggie wrap. I'm still going to want to eat. And then if I have the veggie wrap, I'm going to want to have a snack in the afternoon. So if you look at the system of eating something very high fat, if you're really listening to your body, you can eat it. But if you're stopping when you're satisfied, you're not going to eat very much of it. But you have to be
2: awake. No, it's, it's so true. It's, I'm having these like moments of revelation today. I ate at a food truck in DC and it was so good. And it was like, you know, pretty good, fresh cooked kebab and everything. But he gave me so much food that I felt like, Oh my God, I have to eat it. And I I felt I have a a good metabolism like i'm pretty active so i never think oh it's gonna affect me in terms of weight i'm, I'm not really worried about it but in terms of mood it clearly right. does for two okay. hours I, I had to go get coffee and it was just this yeah. Miserable... We were yeah and all i really had to do was eat half of it and eat the other right. half four hours later and i exactly. would have been fantastic
3: that's it that's
2: it i don't know never occurs to me but i was we also the one that was told you know, you better clean your plate when I was a kid. Right. so
3: Right. And, you know, when you pay for something, you don't want to waste it. I mean, that's a lot of people have a hard time with the idea that they can either throw food away or save it to later. I mean, it's just not as good. I mean, as a leftover, I hear lots of excuses about that concept of only eating part of what you're served. You know, and I've been asked so many times by servers in restaurants, was everything okay? Was that food all right? If you leave if you leave food, people are uncomfortable. We're used to cleaning our plates.
2: Yeah, no, that's so, interesting. I never thought about that. The, the the server thing.
3: Yeah, so you have to kind of stick up for yourself and say, you know, if you say no, thank you, I'm not hungry, people look at you really strangely. Of course
2: you should be <laughs> hungry. You're American, aren't you?
3: (laughs) It's food. Come on.
2: I wanted to kind of finish this off with something that I know all of our listeners would be anxious to hear. Just kind of your general advice. If you had somebody come in and they said, I only have a few minutes, what are the best things you could tell me in terms of what should I eat? Uh, What should I be conscious of when I'm eating? Things like that. What would you tell them?
3: I would tell them there are just some basic Rules to follow that are, you know, just something I want to to think about. One is, as you've heard me say over and over again, try to follow your body. Try to eat when you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. When you want to eat something and you want to kind of go through this self discovery process and become more aware of yourself, just simply ask yourself Am I hungry from my stomach? Yes or no? And if you're hungry for other reasons, then try to take a minute and talk to yourself about it. What's really going on? And I think it's really important to kind of set up some structure so that you don't go long periods of time. So many people tell me that they just don't eat all day. And then all of a sudden they realize they're really hungry at night and they overeat at night. And you know, that's the system. The next day they don't eat that much and they overeat at night again. So to try to eat Every four hours or so usually works. And to try to make sure you have protein. And one really nice formula is kind of protein and produce, protein and produce together. So that would be like peanut butter on an apple or low-fat cheese and fruit or yogurt, which has carb and protein in it, so you don't have to do the combination.
2: That's a really cool piece of advice, actually. I think it's something people don't have very good attention spans, myself included, but that's one I can remember.
3: What, the protein and produce? Yeah, yeah. And that is the way, that's one of the things that's going on with our culture is that we like to boil things down to those little sound bites. And when it comes to eating, it just that just doesn't work. There are layers and layers. So you can start with one of those little cute tricks and see if you can... Make a difference, but not getting too hungry and trying to feed yourself as you go through the day and I have to say activity being active, finding a way to play and move your body. I don't like to use the word exercise just like, just like I don't like to use the word diet, so to find a way that's fun for you to be more active also is essential
2: all right, well, great, and uh, also, I know you know we'll put it on our website, but your website is Body and Mind Nutrition. And it's great. I definitely recommend people check it out to learn a little bit more about what you do and the things you believe in, which can only benefit you. Is there is there anywhere else you'd like to um, lead our listeners or anything that you would like to plug?
3: I don't know if you can go to my Facebook page. You can go to my Facebook page through my website. But there are a lot of wonderful blogs out there about intuitive eating and mindful eating. And you can find those. I post regularly about those concepts. And the folks that do most of the work around mindful eating and intuitive eating would be folks you could find on my Facebook page.
2: Okay, great. Yeah, I I found your Facebook page. So I think anybody can check just through your business or things like that. So. Again, we really appreciate you being on. It's a it's a fantastic topic, one that I'm extremely interested in and try to make strides in the right direction every day.
3: I can tell. I can <laughs> tell you're really paying attention.
2: Absolutely. But, but you did a great job, honestly. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Thanks for including me.
2: No problem. Thanks again, Deborah. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Deborah. Think about as you're kind of digesting the information that happened there the things she talked about were a little more subtle but in terms of being mindful of your eating practices and the behaviors that lead you to eat and the reasons why you do what you do it's something that after we've discussed it i feel like it's common knowledge but during it was kind of these aha moments you know what i mean
0: yeah and if you have to eat marshmallows and chinese food for breakfast lunch and dinner every day just to get over that craving do it do it
2: i don't know man that was one thing i still am not convinced of i wanted to talk to you about that have you ever i've never been sick of food
0: honestly like a good food never i will full disclosure put out there since probably before thanksgiving i haven't gone to the grocery store to buy an entire week's worth of groceries I go and I'll get chicken breasts. Yeah. Improperly. Well, not everybody lives above a Harris Theater. I understand that, but I have, <laughs> it doesn't not, count at all. But I'm not planning healthy right. meals like so, we did in Arizona. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of times I'm like, oh, I'm gonna order Papa John's. Oh, I'm gonna order Chinese food because oh, it's gonna, easy. Because it's easy, yeah. I don't have to waste my time and stuff. But. There was a time when I ordered, like, $30 worth of Chinese food. so that I could have it for however many days. Remember we used to do Taco Bell Challenge and Friday's Challenge? Or Friendly's Challenge. Yeah, Friendly's. But honestly, there was one week that I had lunch and dinner for three days. That was all Chinese food. See, and And at the end of that, I was like, please shoot me. And, like, went downstairs, got salad, didn't eat any meat for a couple days. Here's the thing,
2: though. Did you do that because you knew in your brain logically that was gross or your body literally said no more msg my body literally
0: said no more msg went into almost okay so a funk and i, was I don't like, know what is going on all right you know what we you should what? do a challenge we starting, starting today not just
2: No, starting <laughs> like starting when this podcast airs which will probably be on a saturday
0: i'm gonna do seven days of eat whatever the <laughs> i want no but it's got to be one thing what is the one thing that you crave all the time? Eat it for lunch and dinner every day for multiple days. I can't eat candied anything for a meal, but
2: Why I can eat it. Nobody can do that. Morgan Spurlock ate McDonald's for I 30 eat, days in a row. I could eat hot tamales. Yes, thank you, producer, for the wrap up. We will edit this, but this is actually a good conversation. Um, I agree. I could eat like a box of hot tamales every six hours. That's so, like disgusting. three times a day. Right? Hot
0: tamales Sure Or, or, or Okay The right, redheaded even stepchild Even better
2: Tic Tacs oh. right Tic Tacs oh, The whole that's, box That's even better I
0: could eat seven boxes a day Hey I want to go get some candy I'm going to get some Tic Tacs Wait this is a good idea
2: Seven boxes we? of Tic Tacs a day For seven days 49 boxes of Tic Tacs in one week And see if I'm sick of them at the end White or we, orange perhaps Can maybe. we film it Yeah I'm just saying if I don't think I, I would can. get sick of them I hope you would I don't know I, I don't know we we strayed a long way from what Deborah was trying to Where say. Where are we? But... Yeah, in the logical transition here is go over to iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to iTunes, subscribe to us, rate us. The more I'm, you know, diving into this whole social media thing, I I did not realize how big of a pull it has. I just want to. Be able to spread the word to more people. The interviews we have coming up are incredible. The interviews we had are incredible. I feel like everybody needs to be part of this. Let's grow this community. Let's do it. Thank you again for listening.